Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year. Then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 15th day of February 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Now, you know, sometimes hope springs eternal. Sometimes spring training is that wonderful time where it feels like Everyone has a legit shot, and it's fun and everything. And sometimes it's a real kick to the damn groin. And one of those kicks to the groin came about when you saw what was going on in St. Louis. Now, I did a whole podcast the other day saying sleep on St. Louis at your own peril. And one of the reasons why I said that was I believe that the Cardinals are that right now a great blend of veterans and young players who are coming up. And I felt that, hey, you know what? You're going to see some of these young kids fit in with the club. And when you have the Carlos Martinez's and the Adam Wainwright's and the Michael Walkers in that rotation, and you can insert an Alex Reyes... Well, then, look at that. It's going to be the perfect situation. And then comes those dreaded three letters, M-R-I. M-R-I. And it looks like yet another great young pitcher is going to have Tommy John surgery. And it looks like another great pitcher is going to miss a whole damn year. It's not official yet, but when has it not happened? Oh well, looks like I'm gonna looks like I'm gonna do that now. I think we're gonna we're we're gonna have an MRI. We were gonna do that, but you know what? We decided not to do it. It always turns out to be the case. Now there have been players who come back from MRIs. There are people who come back from Tommy John surgery and turn out to be really great. But do you know what? I'm getting sick of this. I'm getting sick that this is just something we expect. This is just something that happened. I mean, you know what? Just work on the medicine. Figure out the way to do it. Figure out the way to, to, to deal with the arms that we don't have to constantly see these terrific young pitchers getting the Tommy John surgery, missing entire seasons. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's, there's got to be something we can do. There's got to be something we can do. Well, you know, there comes to the first part for the Cardinals. Because you know, the Cardinals are still a situation where they, you know, it, they only missed the postseason by a couple of games last year. If the Mets didn't have such a great finish to the season, you know, it would have been Cardinals-Giants in the wild card game. It almost damn well was. So the Cardinals are still a team that are going to win, what, Worst case scenario, I think high 80s, probably in the 90s, provided they continue to play well. But then you, you move your young phenom starting pitcher out of there and boom, big hole in the team. And 
I'm starting to think about, you know, players who are still out there. I don't mean out there thinking like, you know, saying weird stuff that blows your mind. I'm talking about still available. And if you're St. Louis, go out and get some. You know, and think about like any you know pitchers who are still available. Joe Blanton's still available. Doug Fister's still available. Uh, what's his name? Jorge De La Rosa's still available. Uh, is there anyone else? Jake Peavy. There you go. Still available. Colby Lewis. Still available. Sign them all. You know, I mean, they're still available right now. I mean, they're you're not going to get you know multi-year contracts from them. Offer all of them. You know, one-year deals. Pile up the veterans on that team. Maybe get a good half season out of one and another good half season out of another. Throw one in the bullpen for a while and see what you got. I don't know. All I know is you lost your damn young phenom ace. Now, sometimes pitchers can come back. You don't believe me? Adam freaking Wainwright's missed two whole seasons. One year he missed a season and went on to win the World Series. So yeah, it's possible to continue to do well. That's the cardinal way. But it's just annoying. It's annoying that we're seeing so many great young players having to go through the Tommy John song and dance. I was thinking about something the other day. This may not be popular, but this may be true. You know, I was thinking about what people keep saying about performance-enhancing drugs. And what people keep saying over and over is that it's not necessarily that it makes you a great player. A lot of people say, I use it to heal. Use it to heal. You heard that with Andy Pettit. Use it to heal. And, okay. And, of course, there's a little bit of BS to that. And the main thing is use it to get an edge. Use it for the competition, the competitive edge. And trying to heal is a form of a competitive edge. Okay. There you go. Now, my views on performance-enhancing drugs have been evolving over the years. Initially, I had the same reaction just about anybody. It's cheating. This is bad stuff. And the more you learn about what those performance-enhancing drugs can do to your body do to your testicles, what you do to your your heart, what it does all the you know, creating, you know, what it does to your brain. Yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't create an environment where you are it's dumb not to do it. I mean that's one of the reasons why there was so many I mean I believe Whatever, whenever I'm in doubt on someone who did, whether or not they did performance-enhancing drugs in the 90s and 2000s, I just assume they did because why wouldn't you? People are doing it left and right. There are no rules. There is no way to catch you. You know, is it illegal? Yeah, it's illegal. And is it against the rules? Well, technically, but they don't test you. And the person you're competing with for the job is doing it. And if you do this, you can continue to play baseball, live out all your dreams, and become a multimillionaire. Gee whiz, I wonder if someone's going to do it. So I've never looked down morally upon someone who does performance-enhancing drugs. But there was a period, period of my time I was like, hey, but, you know, I would look harshly on what the punishment should be or anything. And I started thinking over the last bunch of years, my thoughts have softened a lot. 
I want Bonds in the Hall of Fame. I want Clemens in the Hall of Fame. I have no problem with Pudge Rodriguez getting in the Hall of Fame. I'm not a huge Jeff Bagwell guy, but I have no problem. I believe he did. I mean, come on. I mean, I believe he did. I didn't say I know he did. But when a skinny kid with no power becomes Paul Bunyan after hanging out with Ken Caminiti, it's not exactly the hardest mystery to solve. It's not an Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators book. It's pretty simple to figure out. He'd be dumb not to. He became a millionaire many times over. He's going to have a plaque in Cooperstown instead of being the kid from Newton, Massachusetts, who played a few years in New Britain but couldn't quite hack it. Gee whiz, which, which path would you take? But another element of it kept coming back to me. The notion of the, the time when these players started doing, we're talking about the 90s, and you keep hearing, oh, they keep making new stuff, they keep making new stuff that, you know, the, they learn how to mask it better. There's, there are always going to be new things. So that's the, the home run chase, the famous home run chase between McGuire and Sosa. And my thoughts of McGuire and Sosa have been softening as well. That was 19 years ago. Can you believe that? 19 freaking years ago. That's when that happened. But imagine this. Can you bear with me for a second? Because this Reyes injury made me think of this. And I haven't completely thought this through. So maybe this is less of a podcast and more of a workshop. Hear me out. It's been 20 years, 20 years since that happened. Bonds' body ballooned up in what, was it 1999 it ballooned up? That was two decades ago. A lot can happen in two decades, a lot. But not only just in terms of culturally and politically and you know, in terms of technology, I mean, think about what was considered high tech in 1998-99, we'd laugh at it now. You know, people were just starting to understand what the internet was. People still had hopes for the Star Wars prequels. It was a long time ago, but not in a galaxy far, far away. It was here. And if those sort of advances could be made in culture and politics and technology and in baseball, maybe technologies can be, you know, advancements can be made in the performance-enhancing drugs. You know, there was a period of time, out there, I'm sure everyone listening to my voice right now has had a surgery at one point in their life. I've had a surgery. I'm sure you have too. I, I've had procedures done on me both, you know, for you know, minor surgery. I've had a major surgery. The the I've had kidney stone treatments and everything in my life. My father had a surgery recently. I'm sure all of you have had some form of surgery. Now, were you scared of the surgery? I'm sure everyone's scared because you don't go into surgery because you feel great. But I guarantee you, this isn't like the Civil War, where they gave you some brandy had you bite down on a piece of wood while they sawed your arm off. There's been advances in technology. There's been advances in surgery. There's been advances in, in like, you know, in sort of microsurgery, in 
surgeries done to the you know knees and to the shoulders that used to you know, essentially end someone's career. Orthoscopic surgery probably could have prolonged the career of Mickey Mantle. Probably could have prolonged the career and the greatness of Mark Fidrich. Surgeries, medicine improves. What if, bear with me for a second, we don't always fight performance enhancing drugs. I mean, what if we don't fight it, but find a way to make it work positively? Not in terms of bulking you up and doing all these deadly things, but what if it's, they've improved? What if, instead of making it be something that has to be done in a backroom lab or done in some sort of sinister way, like Walter White in his freaking Winnebago, what if it's done in a way to say, hey, look at, look at, let's, let's monitor this. Let's examine this. What if we found out that there's ways to either strengthen tendons or ligaments? I don't know. I'm not freaking Hawkeye Pierce. I don't know enough about anatomy. But I do know that I believe that when we think about performance-enhancing drugs, we think about them as these illicit things being handed out by Balco, People, you know, uh, 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 Alex Rodriguez's cousin giving him a shot in the ass in the bathroom and shady labs and shady people doing stuff. Well, what if that wasn't the case? What if we find out ways that there are ways to heal things faster with some of these drugs and have it not be something that's discouraged or has to be done on the down low? First of all, that may help society. That may help society deal with injuries and deal with limbs and everything like that. And that may help the product of baseball. Baseball is a better product when the best pitchers are pitching well and not missing entire seasons because they had Tommy John surgery. Tommy John surgery on its own right there is shown that there are advances in our technology. When Tommy John did that back in 1974, it was considered to be, it was so revolutionary that they put his goddamn name to it. And like I said, thank goodness it was Tommy John who did it, not win Remeshwal or Al Hrabrowski. But that being said, at the time it was revolutionary. And he didn't recover right away, but he ultimately recovered and was continuing being a fine pitcher deep into the 1980s. Added a decade to his career in what normally would have been a career-ending injury. And now Tommy John surgeries have improved. They've, they're better than what was probably a, you know, a scene out of Hostel or some other Eli Roth film when they first yanked a ligament out of one side of his body and put it on the other for the very first Tommy John surgery. I guarantee you it's more sophisticated now. So what if we don't fight what's already there? It's, you know, it's part of the, you know, the legalization of pot argument is, look, it's not harming people and 
it causes you know crimes that we don't need. We don't need to fill our prisons up with people who smoke the joint. And so what are we doing? Why don't we just have it be something we can monitor and it's not bad stuff? Well, this is about something that's about pot that just gets you high, makes you eat, you know, brownie batter and think fish is a good band. All very negative problems, to be sure. We're talking about something, what if there's something that helps heal? What if that's what we're focused on? And some of the drugs that are being used, we can develop, make something good, make something positive, and make some people some money. You know, the, when you look at things, if you say, well, that's artificially affecting how a player heals or anything like that, well, anytime you use advanced medicine, aren't you doing that? Anytime when you hear some of the great players, great players, including Hank Aaron, who said, yeah, they took amphetamines for, to keep up their energy, well, that's an advantage, isn't it? Wouldn't you rather have an advantage that heals? Wouldn't you rather have an advantage that helps? Wouldn't you rather have an advantage that is being done with, I don't know, doctors and scientists being able to look at it and examine it and be able to do it cleanly, properly, and not have the words bathroom, stall, Alex Rodriguez, and cousin in the same sentence? I think it does. I absolutely think it does. A performance-enhancing drug could be a positive thing if held and done the right way. I think it creates a better product on the field of baseball. I think it makes a better product on the field of life. And also, you know what? We can say, here are the ones you can use. And here are the ones that help. Here are the ones that heal and get some of the sleazy labs out of business and have labs that are on the up and up. You know, instead of barking at comets or trying to want the tides to reverse or to say like, oh, in my day, in my day they were doing something. In my day they wouldn't have done that. Well, they would have. Damn right they would have. So let's not automatically hear the words performance-enhancing drugs and think, oh, man, is everything wrong with baseball today? Everything wrong with baseball. Reyes on the field. Matt Harvey on the field. Could have one more year of Jose Fernandez. Some more years with Adam Wainwright. An extra year of John Smoltz. I mean, think about all the pitchers who've had freaking Tommy John surgery over the years. Matt Cain did. And you know, Jared Parker's career being derailed. I think baseball would be better if we had a full career out of Jared Parker. If we have these players and we can get them healed and on the field healthy, that's a positive thing for baseball. So when you think about a performance-enhancing drug that helps heal, that helps cut down on Tommy John surgery, if there's a way we can develop that and have it be something on the up and up, 
Someone explain to me why that's a bad thing. It's like we can't have nice things anymore. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. Basically endorsing performance-enhancing drugs for the 15th day of February 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please enhance your performance and call me Sullivan.